no matter how crowded the podcast space gets, it's still the only content that you can consume without a screen. So if you're interested in having touch points with your target audience when they're not sitting at their computer, when they're out for a run, when they're driving in the car, when they're making dinner, there's really no other way that you're going to have a, a touch point unless you're taking an audio route and podcasting is the best way to do that. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. So I will let you just kind of do, maybe do an introduction and just give kind of a quick little background and, and maybe talk about where you and I, how you and I got together. And uh, yeah. it's probably gonna be weird being on the podcast as a guest when you yeah. created the podcast, but um, yeah. yeah, give us kind of a rundown and, and kind of how you and I got together and where you're at to date. And we'll just talk about all things sales. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've got a pretty extensive digital marketing background all the way back to early days for me at Angie's List. But even predating that, I'd been working in radio and broadcasting and just kind of over time in the late 2000s, early 2010s, it started transitioning to kind of playing around in the podcast space, which was relatively new at that point. But I ended up hosting a, a podcast at Angie's List, a home improvement show that kind of took off. And that's where I kind of like started to think about what it might look like for a brand to use a podcast as a marketing tool. And, uh, you know, it's been a long road since then, uh, several different startups, but podcasting has kind of always been a sort of an unique element. I feel like almost every stop I've made but you and I met back in, gosh, what was it? It was 2019. It was prior before to the pandemic. Before COVID. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd seen, I'd never heard of Monster Connect, but I'd saw something on LinkedIn and had, you know, put something in. You reached out to me. We ended up, uh, is it three-day raise up in Fishers? Yeah. Is that full, what it's full called? Day, full day raise. Full day raise. Full yeah. day raise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you and I met up there, had a long conversation talking about, marketing, you were telling me all about the product and, um, you know, how you could envision the the brand sort of differentiating Monster Connect from some of the competitors. It was really, it, it really compelled me. And I feel like we hit it off and probably a month or two later, I was on board helping out with marketing at Monster Connect. And we, we launched the podcast. I remember the interesting thing about it is we were toying around with this whole idea of like overcoming adversity, the pandemic hits. And then like all of a sudden we're having these conversations, everybody's facing a whole completely new kind of adversity that we weren't even anticipating uh, as salespeople. And so like, for me, that was like the most interesting thing to navigate is like, everybody's like figuring it out on the fly of like, how am I going to do my sales team's remote now? How are we going to survive through this period? And like those conversations were just so fascinating to hear everybody kind of thinking in real time about what that was going to look like. Yeah. I remember one guest we had on, a, I won't mention, but they would not take our mail. I went out and bought gifts for everybody on the shows and um, they were afraid to open the mail up. So it was a scary yeah. time. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it was super unique, but uh, it was a, I don't know. I felt like it was a fun experiment at the time and it's been amazing. I mean, you know, it's over two years later now and uh, the podcast is still going. It's been cool to watch it from afar, continue to see uh, Monster Connect succeed. So that, that's been a, a delight from my perspective. So really interesting. I think the the one thing for me as it pertained to us starting the podcast. And you're just, I think you're seeing, ex, there's an explosive amount of podcasts, particularly in the sales space that I think are being launched. What, what really shocked me is I thought that the podcast would work like the following. I thought it would look like a traditional sales funnel and we'd have conversations, they'd be interested in the product and they'd immediately go to like a demo and a trial. I didn't, haven't seen any of that. 
what I have seen is revenue come in because of relationships that have been built. And I mean, I can definitely tie impact to the show. It's not direct. It just didn't look like I thought it was going to look, you know, when I look back two and a half years later, huge impact, super glad we started it. Glad I continued it. Doesn't look anything like I thought it would look like. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know that that's too abnormal these days. And when I think back to, you know, starting the chat with the experts podcast at Angie's List, when we were doing that, there wasn't like a something we could compare it to. We we had the idea that like maybe a podcast made sense, talk about home improvement, but there wasn't like another brand making a podcast like that, that we could sort of replicate what they were doing. So it was kind of just like, what, what does our audience want to hear? You know, in the past, you know, several years here, the podcast space has become much more crowded by brands. And everybody, again, the, the more crowded the space becomes, the more you have to think really specifically about what angle the podcast is going to serve. And, and, you know, as a marketer, I get asked all the time about ROI with everything that I do. Podcast is a tough one. It's one of those brand plays that you really have to find a way to make it make sense throughout so many different touch points in your funnel and even then, you're probably not going to be able to type back of like, oh, we closed a deal because of the podcast or something. But ideally, you can find a way that if the podcast is truly encapsulating your brand message and brand voice in a way that is truly unique and authentic and aligned with everything else you're doing from a marketing perspective, ideally, you're going to see that start to you know grow everything uh, within that marketing funnel. Um, you know, and there's, there's obviously people, and I think there's all kinds of different podcasts too, right? I, I think if you look at, there's a guy named Steve Schmidt. And then because I went to school with uh, Ryan Walker, I'm going to call him Ryan Walker, but that's not, I have to do it. Uh, the, uh, oh, what is his last name? Um, Chris Walker. Chris Walker is the guy's name. So Chris Walker from, what's the name of his, what's the name of his company? Um, Refined Labs. You know, he's used video to, to really kind of come out of nowhere and build a really strong marketing company and then to really come up with this term that I see all the time called the dark, the dark funnel. So I think it's called, mm -hmm. uh, I heard about the dark, you know, about the dark funnel. Yeah. I, okay. that's, a, that's a fun term. The dark funnel. And then the other one I hear, which has another podcast is a banger. Like, you know, I get like, a, the, I think that's funny too. I, when I listen to podcasts, <laughs> they're always talking about talking about bangers, whether that's music or right <laughs> breakout software companies, the banger, the yeah. banger makes me laugh. Um, yeah, I think content really explosive. There's a lot of stuff going on uh, on the podcasting space. I know for me, I will say that I think the biggest hurdle to podcasting, trying to get an ROI out of it, is that you're trying to look at it like you'd look at a traditional sales funnel. And mm -hmm. the other thing is, I think there's a lot of focus on the audience. And some of this could potentially been played up, uh, for example, um, I think Sweetfish Media really a talk track that said, hey, you're going to do a podcast. You're going to build a relationship with that person, and that's going to turn into revenue. I think that's possible for sure for that to happen. But what I found is, hey, I built some just really, really good relationships with people. Um, some of those people I've hired. Some of those people have made um, referrals. Some of those people have given me information that um, was very valuable. You know whether that was a skill set information around skill set or deployment or like how to do something and um for me i don't know how you put how you put a value on that we had jesse willette on i think when you were here he's really become kind of the speaking head for email deliverability 
have a two-hour conversation with Jesse, being in the inbox probably is going to have a, a, a limitless return on revenue, um, which I don't think I would have had that conversation if he hadn't been on the podcast. I don't know that I would have had the same kind of um, access to him uh, or even had a relationship that I have with him if it wasn't if it wasn't for the show. So I don't know. I mean, how do you put relationships are hard to put ROI around. That's right. I mean, I think if I was just going to sit down and sort of write out what I think the benefits of podcasting are, the first one, I, would, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an easy way if you don't have a lot of resources to spin up some kind of content platform. And um, I think the thing that it did for us is that it just made us look alive. So, you know, when you're not putting out content, when your blog's not updated and your web and you got all these assets out there that aren't consistently being being updated. I think, hey, it's really easy to do a podcast. Commit to doing it weekly, and it just at least gives you something that somebody can go look at your LinkedIn, your Facebook, and your website and see that you have a pulse. Yeah, and I think that's super super important. So I think without a lot of resources, it's an easy way to get content out the door. You know, how do you put an ROI on? I, I think there, I do really feel like there's a pre-fascination with ROI. I mean, I think it's important and you want to track stuff, but some stuff is hard to track. How do you track a good impression? Like, you know, when somebody comes to your your company page and they see your blog and they see, they buy into your content and you, and you support and help the sale, you know, how do you draw a connection to that? How do you do that? I don't think you can, I think it's hard. So it I feel like podcasting, committing to podcasting is just a mindset. It's like, you just, it just becomes something you do in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely about consistency. That's a big key to it. If you're not going to be consistent with it, the chances of it working in any form or fashion is is pretty small. But you also have to think about, you know, where, what part of the funnel do you want this content to impact? And that's going to change the way that you structure the show. It's going to change the guests that you bring on. It's going to change the content and where you distribute it. Um, those are all factors to think about. You know, one of the things that I, I know we did early with this show and that I always encourage people to do is to put the podcast to work across multiple channels. Don't just, you know, people have their places they go to listen to podcasts, but there's more that you can do with that content than just release a full episode onto, you know, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever people are going to listen. How can you work it into your blog? How does it fit into email? Where does it go or how does it look when you put it on social media? Um, it's going to be different from place to place, but it's all valuable. And the other thing that I remind people of is that, you know, if you think that content is important to your overall marketing strategy, and almost everybody would say that it is, no matter how crowded the podcast space gets, it's still the only content that you can consume without a screen. So if you're interested in having touch points with your target audience when they're not sitting at their computer, when they're out for a run, when they're driving in the car, when they're making dinner, there's really no other way that you're going to have a, a touch point unless you're taking an audio route and podcasting is the best way to do that. So you're right. The The ROI question is difficult. It's going to look different based on what your overall initiative is with podcasting as a marketing tool. But certainly, I think there's always going to be a place for strong audio content from a brand perspective that's going to you know make an impact. So is there a privacy reason why they don't release who listens to the podcast? Just individual people that listen? Yeah, just individual. Yeah. Like, why can't you see that on the, on a, on a platform? Because I know Apple doesn't release that. Yeah. I don't like Spotify. I don't think anybody releases it. Well, I think it. traditional media has always kind of been that way. I mean, even if you go back to the old 
television days when they were like sending out the stuff in the mail and you have it in your home for a couple weeks and it tracks like what shows you're listening to or or what shows you're watching i mean that data has kind of always been aggregated in weird ways that is hard to understand i think podcasts from an early stage since it was so similar to radio kind of fell into that so there's that part of it and there's always the you're right you know apple music spotify like these platforms have a lot of user data that they really don't just want to open the gate for everybody to access right i mean they kind of want to keep a lot of that to themselves because it's super valuable so uh who knows there may be a day when podcasters were able to see some of that information but i wouldn't anticipate it anytime very soon um well interesting so the beginning of this uh, conversation is super good i mean i I love love talking podcasts with you let's make a transition a little bit we'll spend the next 15 minutes talking about sales so tell me a little bit about i know when you uh, you and I crossed paths. I really uh, sort of directed you in this kind of revenue operations function or uh, direction and brought a ton of value for us around just the statistics and what was coming out of Salesforce and how we were interacting and uh, dialoguing with those clients. And then you hip jumped to one place and now you're you're in another. So I'd love to learn a little bit kind of about like what your what your current role looks like and whether you're continuing to sort of run down that revenue operations path or if not what you know what 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 is the day-to-day look like yeah absolutely so i I currently am the director of marketing at sufa which is an out of home uh it's a digital kiosk that is solar powered um it's purchased by you know cities economic development groups it's installed and uh, neighborhoods and communities and uh, communicates, you know, community information. It can also be used as an advertising platform. So advertisers can buy. So when you say a kiosk, is it like at the community pool? Uh, I mean, it could be a lot. I mean, communities install them at all different kinds of places. I mean, we've all seen like the out of home, like signs on a street that has like the LED screen and it's just rotating ads or a digital billboard. It's the same concept, but a city can put it, you know, outside of city hall, outside of the library on a park trail you know, we've seen them installed all over the place. But as an additional uh, revenue generating source, the signs were able to sell advertisements on them. So brands can buy advertising space just like they could on any other out of home medium. So yeah, I'm there to lead up the marketing efforts. But to your point, you know, I, there was really no going back for me once I kind of started to dip my toe into the the RevOps piece. I think as a marketer, when you have the ability to understand how the things that you're doing all the way at the top of the funnel are causing an impact all the way down to close deal and then onward into, you know, renewals and, and churn rate. I mean, there's no going back, at least for someone like me. I'm so data minded and so driven by, I think, performance um, from a marketing standpoint that it's I, I just I can't imagine not having sightline that far down the funnel. I, nothing's changed in that regard at, at Sufa. You know, recently our BDR team has moved under marketing. So, you know, all lead and demand gen is coming from the marketing side, but uh, we overlap heavily with the sales team, you know, all the way through the um, the process of a deal. So it's exciting. I, I've told you this a hundred times. I'd be the worst salesperson in the world. I'd, I'd never close a deal, but I understand the process and the customer at least that should be my goal as a marketer to understand the the customer in such a way that I can enable the sales team to close as many deals as they possibly can that we source. So for me, there's, I think there's always going to be that, that heavy overlap. Yeah. What, what are some of the tools that you're using today? Like what's in your stack? Oh gosh. Well, first uh, I'll say Asana, um, you know, we're very driven by 
process around the projects and uh, things that we launch. So it's a way to sort of keep everybody aligned and uh, you know on the same path moving forward. Obviously, all of our general website analytical tools. Um, I'm still big on Google Analytics, but uh, we also have HubSpot that we use uh, from a marketing standpoint. Salesforce is our CRM. Those are the big ones that I guess come top to mind. Top of mind. What's your day to day look like in terms of what you do as the marketing director? Yeah. Well, as you know, startup scale up company. It's a little. It can be a little all over the place. Some days you don't even know what you're going to get into, and the the best laid plans may go awry. But in general, um, I have a lot of report tracking all the way from like all of our again top of funnel, mid funnel marketing metrics down to general reports I run around tracking revenue sources, deal sizes, sales cycle, all of that. So that's a big piece of it. I've also got a person on my team that we do uh, content strategy. She sort of executes on building the content. To, uh, populate our blog or social media channels, um, all of our email from cold outbound to drip campaigns that we run from a marketing standpoint. But yeah, a lot of it is just kind of like thinking about strategy. What campaigns are we going to run? What are What's the sales team seeing as we go into you know different parts of the year? Um, and what sort of messaging and assets can we equip them with to you know ensure that they're sending the right message at the right time? Um, what's the biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months? Gosh, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that one of the things going back to um, when I was at Monster Connect and, you know, was beginning to kind of like dig in deeper on the sales side and, um, you know, understanding how, you know, what we could expect from which deals were likely to close and which weren't is that there's these, the data can tell you really interesting stories um, and give you really great information to learn from and base and, and make really strong decisions off of. But there's always going to be a little bit of a gray area because every deal and every AE responsible for a deal is all a little bit different. There's little like tiny intricacies in there that sometimes the data isn't going to tell you. And so you really have to, for me, I've learned to go one step deeper in the conversations with our sales team to learn a little bit more about what's holding up a deal. Even if I want to feel like, well, it's outside of, you know, the what we would expect for the close time based on the source that it came from. We know this deal has a certain probability to close. What's one more conversation that we can have to ensure that we're making the right decision here? And it's always something that you can't really, you know, pull out of a spreadsheet. And so I think for me, it's learning to like use the data to make really strong informed decisions, but also like bring the human element to the table and ensure that you have like really, um, just intentional conversations about deals that are being worked um, and, and what else that we might do to kind of move it across the finish line, if that makes sense. Great insight. So question for you on this topic. So I know when, uh, when you're with us, when you were with us, very rarely did we ever break, did we sell a deal outside of the, the standard average sales cycle? I mean, very rarely, right? Yeah. Is that the same case where you're at today? Like, do you see these breakout deals that don't conform to the to the typical sales cycle? And are you closing everything with like 15 minutes to go in the month? Yeah, there's always going to be outliers <laughs> for sure, right? So really, it's just making sure that if that you catch an outlier before you write it off and understand why, you know, there's a case to be made for that specific deal. The other thing for us is that, you know, we have two sides to the business. We have the side where we're selling uh, you know, our media sales side, where we're selling ads on the signs. And then we have the deals where we're selling the physical signs, um, you know, a lot of times to local city government. And those sales cycles are really long. 
And so are they both different? Like the very, media sell okay. Yeah, a media sales deal closes much quicker than a deal on our, you know, with landowners yeah. and, and local city governments. And so because those sales cycles are so long for all the reasons that you can imagine working with local city governments that have very strict budgets that are allotted in very specific ways, um, you have to think about those a little bit differently. So the longer the sales cycle extends, I feel like the harder it gets to really zero in. I mean, when you've got a 30 day sales cycle and it's like, well, this deal's been sitting here 90 days, we've had no movement on it. Let's let's move it out of the pipeline and focus on some other things. You can't really do that when the sales cycle is extending, you know, 200 plus days. No, and what, what very two different business sales cycle models for sure. I mean, if you're selling hardware um, versus like what we were selling at Monster, what we're selling at Monster Connect, uh, you know, Monster Connect straightforward. It's a 30 day sales cycle. It could be a one, it could be a one day sales cycle if you right. get everybody to move fast. Um, but I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It doesn't take long to, to make a decision versus you're dealing with governments and um, you know, a lot yeah, of moving sure. parts. All right. Well, Kyle, this was awesome, man. It was great catching up and I appreciate you coming on. Anything you want to sign off with before we go? Oh gosh. It's so fun to be back uh, talking with you again. Uh, again, it's been such a blast to watch Decision Point and uh, Monster Connect from afar and see some really awesome things happen. And, and Brad, your skills as an interviewer, it's been awesome to see uh, you really kind of own that role of the show host and uh you've you've got it down well, man i have not i don't listen to any of the podcasts uh, i can't i can't hardly yeah i can't hardly listen to them so do they do they do i sound better <laughs> you I sound getting, great I, better from day one from no. yeah okay well I mean, my, you know my mom just makes telling perfect. Me that, but that doesn't mean anything yeah uh all right well good deal man kyle it was great talking to you so glad to have you on man glad things are going well and uh, we'll talk to you soon absolutely thank you